Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. We are the show that tackles some uh, interesting topics, sometimes fun topics, sometimes uh, sad topics, sometimes um, informational topics. And today, we're going to talk about whips and spanking and God and abuse and you know where we stand with all of this. And of course, this is triggered by the whole Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon. We did talk about the book uh, on one of our previous shows. We talked about it as, you know, is is this pornography? Is it you know, lady porn, I've heard some people refer to it as lady porn, which is different from the traditional pornography. Um, anyway, the the point being that this whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing has people talking about things that we didn't necessarily talk about before, including S&M and uh, um, physical pain when it comes to sex and all sorts of things. So i got to tell you, I'm an old lady that has been pretty sheltered in my life as far as sex is concerned, so I'll just be right up front about that. Um, I think if anybody ever came to me with, uh, at me with a whip, I'd just kind of look at them and go, uh, don't think so, but that's me. And I know some people who find this whole thing very comfortable. I'm open, you know, I mean, I don't know. That's what we're having the show for, to talk about it and find out all about it. And I am very lucky to have two guests with me who uh, hopefully are a lot more knowledgeable than I am. One of them is Monika Johnson-Hostler. Uh, Monika, welcome. Thank you. Monika? Oh, okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Don't leave me now, Monika. <laughs> she is the executive director of the North Carolina Coalition Against Sexual Assault, and uh, she's worked at local local rape crisis centers. She has been a crisis intervention coordinator. She has um, pre- represented um, the issue of sexual violence to a number of communities, and she has also was appointed by the Obama administration to serve on the National Advisory Committee on Violence Against Women. And we also have Treandre Valentine. He is a queer activist, he, uh, originally from Trinidad and Tobago. He's been with Network Lared, and he is a survivor-led social justice. Well, that is a survivor-led social justice organization, and it works to end partner abuse, especially in lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, and trans uh, communities, SNM, and polyamorous communities. So he has. He's the man that we're going to go to for all the answers. Treandre, Tre welcome. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't know if I have all of the answers, but hopefully I have some. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've taken notes, Trey Andre, so, you know, come on. you <laughs> I'm looking to you as my guru. Okay. Um, we would love to have you join us. Uh, and, again, this conversation is a conversation. We're exploring these things. I don't know some of the answers. I don't know if we'll end the show having any answers. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about it because that's kind of what we do in this life, isn't it? So welcome and join us, please. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you'd like to uh, put in your two cents worth on what we're saying, please give us a call, 646-378-0430. And uh, that number again, 646-378-0430. And we also have a chat room that you can go to if you go to our um, website, which is www.blogtalkradio.com slash three women, three ways. And uh, you can uh, leave your, your comments in our chat room, and we'll we'll try to incorporate those in the show. And uh, the reason I'm kind of hesitating here is for some reason my chat room isn't opening. Here we go. Here we go. There it is. Okay, now you can join us in the chat room. And again, phone call it would be six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. So there. Now I've got my chat room window open, and I've got my phone number out there. I've got Trey Andre with me and Monica. So let's get started. Monica, let's start with you. Is S and M violence? Uh, yes. Um, so as, as I'm glad you stated that this is a conversation. Um, this isn't a topic that I'm an expert in, but what I do feel like I can add to this conversation um, is to open the conversation to what is consent, the variations of consent, and what that can look like in healthy sexuality, um, which, of course, 
to your point, um, I'm a Southern girl, um, and I'm on this call, of course, representing my national role, but I still live in the South and I'm still a Southern girl, so I think it's important to note that when we talk about sexuality, um, what most of us have not had the experience of doing is really recognizing that sexuality can be both healthy and unhealthy, and so I think we'll explore some of that today. Okay, terrific. And um, I also, we're going to come back to that whole issue of consent, because when we were talking off air, we talked about that a little bit, and there's even questions about that, in my mind anyway. So, yes. uh, Trey, uh, yeah. so Trey Andre, welcome, and uh, did I introduce you. you well enough? Do you want to add anything about your background? Oh, no, uh, you did a great job. Thank you very much. Um, I okay. will say that to um, answer the question whether that is SM violent, um, it can be. Um, there are aspects of SM that can be violent, but it's not only about um, the experience of pain or any, anything physical. It can also include uh, role-playing or being in service. So it's not always something that's violent. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So pretending, and I think you know that pretending is something that a lot of people do um, in their mm-hmm. sex lives, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I guess. Um, so okay, let's go back to that issue though of consent. When we spoke before, Monica, we were talking, uh, you know, and I just came right out and said, so what's the difference? What's the difference between uh, violence and playing, um, sexual playing, um, and you said consent, and that seemed reasonable to me. I mean, of course, that seems reasonable, but then I happened to run across this article, um, and I'm actually seeing if I can do a a show on this. I'm lining up an author, Um, but the article talks about, uh, well, actually, the article was was titled Spanking for Jesus, uh, which I thought was pretty clever, but the article uh, basically talks about um, an organization or a movement in some Christian communities where they they call it uh, CDD, and I'm looking real quick to see if I can find what that means. Basically, Christian Domestic Discipline, which is a fancy name for hitting your wife. And what they say is, is that it is acceptable because the wife has given her permission to be disciplined in this manner. Okay, she gives permission, supposedly, but why don't I feel like this is fun and games? Why don't I feel like um, I, I, it doesn't hit me the same way as the permission that we talk about from, say, Fifty Shades of Grey or, or sexual playing? And yet that's the difference. It's permission that's been granted. Help me out here. So as, as come I said, on, Trey, you know, Andre, come on, Andre, <laughs> come on, come on. I think this is Monique. As I said to you off air, I'm not familiar with this, but I do think it's important to note that when I talk about consent, and I mentioned earlier that I feel like it's important to note there are variations of consent. So most people see consent and permission as you know the willingness to say yes, and oftentimes there's lots of discussion in sexual relationships, those those that are consensual and not, uh, is is a verbal yes required. And so I think it's important to just note the verbal versus nonverbal is a conversation in itself around consent. But I also think it's important to note, just based on what you told me um, about this Christian domestic discipline, I think you said it was, because uh, I'm not yeah. familiar with it, the question that I would call the question, you know, Trey Andre works for an organization, that works in partner violence as well is to really call it the question that, of what we don't know but can, you know, have some presumptions around is, is this consent under duress? Is this consent mm-hmm. under some other auspices of uh, pressure? And, you know, for me, this feels a little bit just from the outside um, in what we see in domestic violence where someone may be consenting, say, to, to sex or spanking and discipline in this case, uh, because they are under the power control of their, in this case, husband, it sounds like with this uh, spanking for Jesus that you refer to. So those would be the questions that I would immediately come to mind and really, um, without knowing much about it, would want to know those kind of answers around consent. And again, personally, having 
worked in this field for over 20 years, I find it difficult um, to 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 believe that all of these women would be consenting without being under power control of their spouses. Yeah, I mean, I well, you make a good to... point about what what is what is um, leading to the supposed consent. But I could make the same argument in a sexual scenario. I mean, I, I'm certainly not alone. I mean, I've been talked into doing things that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable with under a certain level of duress in sexual situations. I mean, haven't you? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Don't make me hang out here by myself. But, I mean, really, I mean, there are sexual scenarios where, I mean, even the, the most modest of us have probably done some things that we didn't really want to do because the other partner was kind of pressuring us to do that. So isn't that duress? Yeah. Again, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, that's why we talk about the continuum. And the biggest thing in sexual violence, which, you know, is, is a conversation that we have, and it's especially, you know, a hot topic now that we're talking about campus sexual violence, is <clears throat> many people, to your point, of course, have, have said yes. I said yes, or physically consented, not often verbally consented, um, in sexual relationships to things that, may not necessarily have been things that I would have considered to without some pressure or duress. And so that is why it's important to have a conversation about what's healthy and unhealthy relationships, but it's also important to also talk about sexual autonomy. And because we haven't done that in this country very well, or actually globally with women especially, I I would dare to agree with you. Most women have consented or given physical permission to some things that they may not have wanted to and may not term it sexual violence, but indeed it's worth exploring these conversations so that as women we do, um, excuse me, especially in, in this case that you're talking about with the spouses and husbands and wives and this uh, Christian discipline piece is around women are made to feel less than, women are submissive in all of those words of what it means, and I will turn this over to Trey Andre to speak a little bit more about S&M, is is attached to not just that relationship, but the context in which this is happening. And so what I'm saying is it's not just between a particular husband and wife, but this to me sounds like it's built around a context that they are um, promoting to be something that could happen in this particular community. And so that's very similar, you know, when we talk about the pressures of sexual violence um, that may not be quote-unquote, first-degree forcible rape, but definitely on the continuum of having um, physically been pressured to do something that you didn't necessarily want to do. And so, again, you, we, none of us can make those decisions for individuals of whether they felt pressured, any sexual pressure, and whether they would define that as a sexual violation, because that's also a huge piece of the conversation when we talk about, you know, consenting under the roof, is whether you actually yeah. feel violated. Um so, you know, so you have to think about the work that we do both in a legal sense but also personal autonomy around what it meant or what it um, transpired for them as an individual. Andre, check in here. Uh, we've been, we, yes. Monique and I have been kind of talking about this from a heterosexual standpoint, um, but is that, are you in agreement uh, in general oh, with what we've been Absolutely. I mean, I think you would definitely have to look at the context of, you know, the, the context of what's happening. Um, when you said that, you know, why is it giving permission? Um, I, I have the same questions as Monica does. You know, how has she given permission? Is this something that has been coerced? Um, are there other patterns of coercion happening? Um, and just because someone consents to one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that they consent to everything. Um, and it does require a, fl- a further exploration of what is happening, the context, the context that it's happening in, and what's the intention behind it as well. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, this, can I uh, jump in here? Because, uh, again, I'm not an expert on S&M, or, but isn't that all about control? I mean, isn't that um, part of the whole... I mean, so we can't absolutely. really say control is a horrible thing if somebody really wants to have a level of control during sexual Or wants sexual to give activity. that up, too. Or wants to give that control yeah. up as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's sort of like a reciprocal uh, uh, relationship, basically. Someone is giving up control and someone is uh, uh, 
gaining control, but that is a pre-negotiated conversation um, where in a healthy BDSM relationship, people sit down beforehand, they talk about the things that they want, the things that they like, uh, what limits they have, um, what are their boundaries, um, what, um, what is their safe word. Sometimes the safe word can't be no because no may be part of the role play. So people would have to talk about a different safe word. Um, and, again, it's not you know, only I always, about... I always thought, if somebody asked me that, my safe word would be mashed potatoes. Don't ask me why. Yeah, but I've that's had a that. great safe word. I don't, it's it's like, mashed potatoes you know, just sound so safe, don't they? Yes. And, you, and, and you know, it's, it's coming out of nowhere. You know, you hear mashed potatoes, which is not something that you would typically hear during, yeah. you know, um, sexual interaction well, or anything like that. Well, speak for yourself, Ray Andre. I mean, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> speak for yourself here. Depends on what you're here. doing. <laughs> but it's a clear, like, it's, you know, it's a clear word that means stop. And the mm-hmm. person who is, I guess, more so the submissive or on the receiving end of, you know, being controlled, they are the ones who actually have the most control because they have set the limits as to what they want and what they don't want. And when they say stop, it means cut everything off. We need to check it. Well, that's assuming, when so, you say they have more control, that's assuming that the, the the dominant person actually follows the rules. I mean, well, that is, there are and that is a number of healthy, scenarios where people yes, who are involved in sexual activity don't follow those their rules. Right. And that's um, when the I mean, even violate in, a boundary. In, you know, yeah. Yeah, and that's when they violate a boundary, and that's when you look at, you know, like, is this you know, they, if this is something that's happening recurrently, um, then that is a pattern there, and that person is, is not um, um, being respectful of people's boundaries, and that is a, an abuse of power. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So then that becomes abusive. If those boundaries are not respected, then it does become mm-hmm. abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, all right. When you, okay. when, when you have get clear limits and clear boundaries, when it's something that's pre-negotiated and in, you know, in the middle of play, the person says, the, says mashed potatoes and the other person keeps going and, uh, and does not listen, um, that, there is, is, that there is very problematic. That there is a clear violation of the boundary. Um, and, uh, and then that that's is where it can become abusive. Okay. All right. So uh, does this make sense, Monika, to you? I mean, the the whole I, – I guess I'm still foggy on um, the pressure someone might feel. I mean, I'm thinking of young young women. Young women are very sexual now, much more so than they were 20 years ago. And um, they are more experimental and they're more sophisticated, at least from what I've seen. But in many ways, some of the young women I've seen are also very naive. Um, and and they can be, I think, I, I know I've spoken to a number of young women, and I don't say it out loud because, of course, you know, I mean, I might not be right, and it's none of my business and everything, but sometimes I think, do you really feel that way, or do you feel like you ought to feel that way? Um, I mean, so I, this makes perfect sense to me, and, again, I'm glad that Cherry's on the call to to discuss this because I think what you made completely clear is any relationship that starts out in consent can turn non-consensual and violent. And so I so and I think that's, you know, for me it's always one of those things where helping people understand that we are not a a, you know, two-sided coin. We are very multidimensional people and so we're able to hold a lot of things at one time and so I for me that's the most important thing to get out there for people is that it is possible to be in an BSNM relationship that could turn violent if that person doesn't respect the boundaries, but but also holding in that space at the same time that this is this is a could be in in this example a consensual relationship that two people have autonomy to structure and negotiate the way that they want that relationship to happen. Um, to your point earlier, Heather, I think we also still live in a society where it is hard for people to hold that, and so it's easy to say, yes, this is automatically violent and make a lot of judgments on something that we just may not understand or feel comfortable with. And, you know, I I, I don't consider myself as young anymore. I just had a milestone birthday. But I also 
push the envelope on something you said is I'm not sure women are any more sexual than they were ever. I think we know about okay. it because women women are more open and free to express their autonomy in a way that did not exist even 10, 15 years ago is what I believe more so than anything. Um, and, of course, I could be wrong because I've not – have not been alive that long to say, if, you know, you know, if that's really the truth. But what I would say in my own experience and young women who I have really close relationships with is that, you know, people I know and they know, the experiences aren't gravely that different. What's most different is the knowledge that society is engaged in young women's sexual lives in a way that they weren't before. So I think that's also important to note that, you know, it's a judgment we can make, but we don't really know if that's true. What I hope that we're doing is given, um, especially, you know, young women, the tools to be able to be sexually autonomous and to make the decision whether they want to be open about that in the way that we seem to, you know, feel is happening or not. And so I think it's important that, you know, we recognize that individuals get to make individual decisions about those things and, and not make some prejudged assumptions. So, you know, I'm glad you're talking about this topic because I think it's one of those things that pushes the boundaries for people to have to hold multi-ways that we think about sex. Well, and for me, you know, I mean, I sit there thinking, okay, uh, you know, with the Fifty Shades of Grey thing, since that seems to be our pivotal point in the news and, and you know, in au courant point right now, um, it, it it is making that whole concept of S&M um, more public, more open, people are talking about it, where maybe they didn't 10 years ago, it was, you know, something, if you were into that, you kind of kept it quiet, um, and that's, and, you know, there's many positive points about that, but it also sometimes, I, I think that <clears throat> sometimes we as a society tend to put a lot of pressure on the movement du jour. In other words, um, if if uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of it now. Okay, plastic bags, I, or paper bags. I remember, you know, a hundred years ago, where you were killing forests if you used uh, paper sacks in the in the grocery store, and so you were supposed to ask for the plastic ones because those weren't killing; those were ju- trees. Those were just byproducts from wasted um, petroleum, anyway. Uh, well, now it's gone the reverse. And now uh, in Seattle, where I live, there's actually fine. They charge you if you want to use a plastic bag as opposed to a paper bag, okay? So I guess what I'm saying is, is that, you know, attitudes change, and attitudes can be wrong, but attitudes can pressure people into doing things that may or may not be comfortable for them. Am I being clear at all? I mean, I think, you know, I think what you're trying to speak to, um, there there are differences in terms of uh, culture and experience, um, in terms of age, region. Um, there are many different things that go into basically people's navigating society. And um, we do live in a society that does tell us um, and put places values on the things that uh, – uh, value on our identities and um and and our and our own values so and how we would like to be in the world and um there's definitely pressure to be a certain way to fit a certain mm-hmm. model to fit a certain you know to fit a certain role men should be this way women should be this way a black person should be this way an asian person should be this way like that you know that is that is all there and that is all systematic of all of of oppression, um, and so, I mean, to a degree, yes, I would agree that there are um, societal pressures that that make you think about how you belong, um, but mm-hmm. to sort of like say that as a um, that people can't find within themselves the truth for themselves and what feels most comfortable, um, I think that that in itself is a journey through all of navigating all of that societal oppression. So there is pressure, but um, I think that, um, you know, having, uh, being grounded in yourself and self-awareness can aid in 
navigating that, but that's not always that's not always possible because there's many nuances to the way people experience oppression and there's all the intersectionality of identities. So well, plus it takes a really, really strong person um, with a, a certain level of maturity to have the self-confidence to say, no, I don't want to do that, or yes, this, this is something that I want to do and go ahead with it. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that many strong, strong people who really are aware of themselves and mm. really know this is who I am and you know who who can't be nudged or wavered you know by by feeling some pressure either societal or interpersonal pressure well i mean so, we're all in we're all on a journey of self awareness and discovery i don't think that ever ends and i think that that's something that's fluid and people are making decisions for themselves that feel best at that time um so I think that you also have to probably take that into consideration as well because we are not, I mean, we are fluid, complex beings. We're not just one thing. Um, and we are also constantly changing and uh, growing and uh, discovering. So, um, you know, I may say, you know, that tattoo that I had when I was 15 years old, that doesn't necessarily represent me now, but that's where I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And right. so it's you know, I think it to think about, you know, being fluid in, 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 in our mere existence. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's I think that's well said and I you know, and I think, you know, where where you are going with this, Heather, is also important to notice that, you know, as as individuals who are constantly on a journey, I mean, we all know one thing can happen in our space in our life. Um, we can move to a different space that changes our own self-awareness or our own self-confidence about who we are um, that absolutely could complicate or change or cause us to, as you, to, to your point, um, to be nudged a little um, with a lot less ease, um, with a lot more ease um, than we would if we were in a place where we felt most self-confident, most self-assured. And so, but what I what I also think is important to note is, you know, having worked in the anti-sexual violence movement for a very long time is sex is still the thing for most people that they have a lot of issues around, whether it's their own sexuality, somebody else's sexuality, or sexual interactions itself. Um, It's still one of those things, um, and especially in this country, where we don't live in a country as a whole. Um, I mean, there are clearly regions and pockets where people are open, but for the most part, we're not. Sex is still something that's yeah. personal. Sex is still something that's treated as taboo. And so it's interesting to me because while there are all these changes in social norms changing around us, that's the one thing that I still recognize is still um, hasn't had a lot of momentum in this country where sex is still very private, still um, very taboo and off limits to discuss. And so, yeah. you know, again, Fifty Shades of Grey, I think. Well, we do a lot of the, we, yeah, we do a lot yeah. of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge when it comes to sexual things. Um, we like to go see, you know, big bare boobs on the screen, you know, movie screen and things like that. Um, but yet when it comes down to the personal, that's when we kind of clam up and become um, – help, help me out here. Do you know what I'm saying, Monika? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yes. I mean, I, I, Trey, I Andre, think there's you know a little, I, Can you yeah, help me out? Sure. I think that there is a lot of shame that goes into expressing our desires. And because that's been something that has been stifled and has been controlled, to control the sexuality of a person um, is, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's also part of, of um, also the societal oppression as well. Um, but we have definitely been very closed off from our sexuality um, at least talking about it, talking openly about it, and there is some there is some level of fear um, and shame because it has been taboo for so long and been placed in. I mean, people have been placed in mental mental institutions. People have been um, killed for it, and so it's definitely been something that. Um, has been secrets to talk about and there is some sort of level of shame in terms of talking about your desires but I think that that is 
you know, slowly opening up more and more now. Okay. Well, we I think that we certainly, you know, we we sometimes I think we're all talking no action in our culture um because we you know, I mean, god, people talk about sex all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were a, a space alien coming down, you know, and and see you would think that all we ever did was, you know, run around like little bunnies having sex everywhere all the time and yeah. you know, in any configuration and any, you know. And yet we don't. I mean, we right. really we are a highly our, yeah, we're a highly sexual sexualized culture, and yet there is absolutely no sort of actual open conversation um, about it. Well, and, I and, think, and the and conversations that are, that are happening can be problematic. That are happening because it's, it, it, I mean, being sexualized in in very objectifiable ways. Um, I think uh, there are um, there's very sort of like unhealthy representation of sexuality that might be happening, um, and and um, you know we are not necessarily talking about um, healthy ways of being, and the the unhealthy ways of being are actually what sort of like is being perpetuated in society. I think you're right, and I think that, you know, that, of course, this goes back to the body image and the self-confidence and, you know, all of that other stuff, but if, if, if it's as if we, if we don't fit the cookie-cutter representation of what it is, you know, to either be sexual or, you know, we just, we may as well just go be hermits, you know, I mean, we do, there's no place for us in, the, in, in society. Um, unless we have, you know, the perfect body, unless we have the perfect attitude, unless we have, you know, it, you may as well just go elsewhere. So we're not open to alternatives that don't agree with the popular image. Mm-hmm. It, am I, at least that's in my view. Yeah. Um, I saw a thing the other day where an older woman, uh, you know, in her in her 50s, um, Oh, you know who it was? It was that, was it Cindy Crawford? Uh, there was one of the famous models, and they took a picture of her unretouched, and I guess that they came through later and said, no, actually, that wasn't her. I don't know, whatever the deal was. But anyway, she had, you know, some cellulite, and she had some stretch marks, and it still looked really good. And yet, that was just shameful that they would show, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there were so many people who acted like it was just shameful that you wouldn't airbrush that woman's stomach to make it all smooth and taut. You know, right. and this is a woman who's had babies and da 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 da, and she still looked really good. I wouldn't mind looking like that, you know. So you like yeah. now? Um, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, have... what's wrong with cellulite though? There's not to me. There's nothing wrong with cellulite. I mean, it's it's uh, your body is beautiful. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't fit our popular. You Absolutely know. not. Right. Right. Yeah, Monica, jump in here on cellulite. <laughs> I agree. It, it is beautiful and natural, and all of us at some point have it or are going to have it because that's, you know, physiologically our body. But again, we live in a society who have created a picture that very few of us can even fit into and, and say, yes, we've met this image of, or, you know, fine point definition of beauty. Um, very few of us can meet that. Hence the need for airbrush, and I think you bring up a good point, is, you know, the media um, has created that, and so now it's also our expectation, right? So when the airbrush doesn't happen and people aren't taught and look perfectly, you know, defined by the way that we've defined beauty in this country, then, then it's not right. If something's wrong with it, and then we call into question. And I think, again, that... Well, and... And and that's kind of, I think, what I'm saying about this whole, you know, S&M, um, um, shades of gray kind of crap. Are we creating just another way of pressuring people who don't fit into that mold into thinking that somehow or other they should just disappear, that there's something wrong with them, that they should go find a, you know, plastic surgeon that will somehow or other be able to fix them into liking bondage or something? Um, um, I think we should... Uh, be actually trying to break molds and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really whatever you want to be, however you want to be, like, that is okay. And, and instead of trying to fit people into boxes of certain things. Um, well, I'm talking about people trying to fit boxes. themselves into those boxes, uh, Treandre. Um, yeah. 
you know, I mean, how many how many of us look in a mirror thinking, oh, God, I've got jowls and now I don't look pretty anymore. And now, I, you know, I mean, we put ourselves into those, those molds physically, you know, oh, I'm, I'm 25 pounds overweight, I can't wear a swimsuit. Um, you know, I mean, we do that because of cultural pressure. So I guess what I'm saying is, is are we feeling cultural pressure to like S&M or to at least behave as we do, as if we do? I think that's um, interesting because there was – oh, sorry, Trayondra. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. So so I, I find that interesting because I've actually had the reverse happen. Like I've had people – I mean, because, of course, I've got – I mentioned to you, I've got a ton of media calls, and, you know, there's all kinds of blog posting. And, but people are actually – and I, again, believe it's because of our own shame um, and the taboo nature of sex actually – actually have had the perverse reaction, like, how dare we be talking about this, and, you know, this is horrible, and so so I've not actually experienced people wanting to fit themselves or experience this because it's out there. I've actually had people want to shut it down because they don't think it's okay to discuss it, some of it because of their personal beliefs and cultural norms, but some of it is because of the taboo and shame that individuals feel, and so their reaction has been, how dare we talk about this, how could this be public, this is horrible, um, for us. And so that's interesting because I've actually had the reverse happen that, you know, there was a huge move to people saying, we can't believe that this is going to actually air and we're going to discuss this. And so, so to your point, I've actually seen the opposite of that and people wanting to shut it down and not allow, allow people who, who, again, I believe, you know, have, have experienced this and choose, you know, this as a, as a way to, to show and express their sexual interactions um, feel even more boxed in because our response has been so negative and so harsh to it. Mm-hmm. So that's been my yeah. experience with this. Wow, that's good to know. Um, I mean, well, not good to know, but I mean, it's, it, it, that addresses my concern of you know mm-hmm. the, the reverse kind of pressure. Um, it's not too late to join us in this conversation, and uh, quite frankly, I'd appreciate help because I'm a little out of my depth here. Um, give us a call six four six three seven eight. Zero four three zero six four six three seven eight zero four three zero, or join us on the chat line at blogtalkradio.com slash three women three ways. And we do have a, a, a comment on our chat line, and someone wants to know how can they find out more about S and M. Treandre, do you yeah, have any um, suggestions? Sure. Uh, there's a website we. The Network of Red works closely with an organization called the New England Leather Alliance, um, and uh, their uh, website is www.nilaonline.com, and they have a lot of information about SM. Um, you can also contact us on the web, too, um, at tnlr.org, um, if you have any questions and would like to talk more about it. Um but that's the organization that we work with, and they uh, they put on many uh, workshops. Um, they've got lots of resources and information on their website, so you can check them out there. Great. If they have a list of safe words, they're free, you're free to use magic. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. You... Actually, that might make an interesting show. Just just you know, no, nothing but what is your safe word? Yeah. I mean, I, word? I think yeah. that would. Be... Yeah, I like that. Only I think we should have that for everything in culture, you know, in our culture. I, I think that, you know, I mean, I go to work and um, my boss is ballistic or something, so what what safe word can I use to make her back off from me? I think that would my be good. My potato wouldn't work? <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think back off bitch would work, quite frankly, but, you know, that's just me. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Monica, what happens when, when uh, and again, you know, I mean, our traditional box, we think of sexual assault, we think of, of rape in terms of, of heterosexual male-on-female assault. Do you work with other types of assault? And if so, um, you know, are there any special concerns um, that that you have or that folks should know about when, when we're talking other, other uh, orientations, other genders? Um, yes. So, I mean, so our organization, both in our state, our national organization, um, believe in in um, intersectionality and, 
and systematic oppression. So our work is a social justice work. So we don't just, you know, work under heterosexual guises of ending sexual violence. We believe in ending all forms of sexual violence. And um, as organizations have worked really hard to make sure that we're expanding uh, protections and discriminatory policies um, are being, hopefully, non-discriminatory policies put in place to address all victims. Um, so, of course, we do believe that those folks who um, share multiple identities um, are more at risk for sexual violence, which, of course, is a driving factor of our work being framed with a social justice framework. So we don't have one type of victim, but we also work across the spectrum of sexual violence. And so, again, which we talked about a little bit earlier about, you know, intentions and violations and consent and what that looks like and how consenting to one thing doesn't mean consenting to another. And so our work and the way that we do it is very broad because, again, we don't believe individuals are in a box and one-dimensional. And so so that's the way that we do our work as well. It's multidimensional. Um, and there's clearly for us, I mean, the identities of the folks that we work with, um, each person shares multiple, multiple types of identities that they identify with. Um, and, and that, of course, um, informs the way that there can be response to their violence, but also the way that they may be dealing with their violence. And so we take all those things into consideration when we're looking at interventions. Great. Um, uh, Andre, is it possible that when people are in what they consider a, a consensual, or is, is it possible um, when somebody is in a consensual uh, relationship or consensual activity um, that they change their mind, and yes, they've got the safe word, and if somebody doesn't, you know, violates that boundary of the safe word, um, is it clear, do you think, to everyone that that violation of the boundary is rape? Um, you know, I think that that is uh, something that the person determines for themselves. Um, uh, it may be someone is speaking with me, and I, I may, I may think that um, that that may be because it is the person has said the safe word. Um, they've asked them to stop, um, and in you know stop all activity, and that uh, a boundary um, was violated and not respected. Um, but to label that, I would leave that up to um, the individual to label that for themselves. Um, but I okay. definitely see that as a, a a clear violation of a boundary um, because you can change your mind and you should be able to change your mind at any time. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not feeling good at uh, what is happening, does not feel good, um, there should you should be able to uh, say stop and have that be respected and everything stop. That brings up the issue of trust. And... A lot of times, I think people have sexual relationships with people before they really establish trust. Am I making a leap here? Uh, do either of you agree with me? Um, I mean that 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 definitely happens. Um, but what kind of trust are we talking about? There are different levels of trust, different kinds of trust. I mean, I well, trust I my trust partner that if I tell you to stop, you'll life. stop. You know, I mean, if I, I know that. somebody, I, I've gone out a, a couple of times with that person, or I've met them at a at an event, um, and and I decide to um, engage in some sort of sexual activity. Do I really have enough background to know whether I can trust them to honor my safe word or to stop when I tell them to stop? And is that an issue? Um, I mean, I, th- I think that is that is a risk that you take, and even I, and that's to say also too. I mean, I could be with a partner for ten years, and that mm-hmm. they they not respecting my boundary in that way. That could also happen. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't, you know, I can't place it on just how long you've known a person, um, really, because that happens well, I just in use relationship. That as an example. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, the, the notion of establishing trust, um, I don't 
see that. I'm, I'm trying to think. I did read that Fifty Shades of Grey, which, by the way, I thought was very, very boring. But that's just me. I mean, it was like enough already. I, I know I got the book from the library, and when I turned the book back in, the librarian said, did you enjoy it? And I went, well, actually, about halfway through, it was like, how many more pages is it? You know, <laughs> you know but I, I felt kind of obliged to read it, so I'd have some sort of basis for knowing what I'm talking about, you know, on some things. And mm-hmm. uh, I, found, I found it boring. It just went on for way too long. So for me, it wasn't sexy at all. But the the notion that um, this was negotiated, I, I appreciated that. But I also um, felt that there was a power differential in those negotiations in the book. If you've read the book or seen the movie, um, the, I mean, basically the, the, the heroine is young, virginal, naive, you know, blah, blah, blah. The... the um, um, protagonist or whatever you want to call him, the main character, uh, billionaire, slick. Uh, you, you know, you see where I'm going here? So yeah, even though uh, there was negotiation, was it a fair negotiation? Um, I mean, um, I can't I, I, I that. Saw somebody, face, somebody sent me a thing, a picture, and, and basically it said, if Fifty Shades of Grey, if, if the guy was a, uh, lived in a trailer park instead of he, uh, being a billionaire, he would have been, you know, the next, it would have been the next episode of, of you know, um, uh, true crime or something, you know. I, I, so th- that difference, that power differential, how, how does that come into play when we're talking about S&M or sexual activity in general? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I can't specifically speak to Fifty Shades of Grey because I have not seen I have not seen the movie and I have not read the book, um, so I can't really talk about that um, specifically. But but yes, I mean there are definitely power differentials in terms of um, in terms of SM, and some people like to play into those power differentials. But however, they have it in a um, pre-negotiated, contained manner or way. Um, and um, if this is a power differential that someone is not interested in in playing with and has specifically said, I do not want to um, do this or go, you know, play this role um, or do this certain thing, um, and that, again, is not respected, then that becomes a violation of boundaries. So it's, it, 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 it is all, um, again, boils down to permission and consent because people do like to play into some of those power differentials. Okay. So, and that, well, all right, all right. Um, I kind of, I got to tell you, maybe this is, you know, I mean, my, my good old Midwest farm girl coming up, but sometimes I feel uncomfortable with anything goes kind of philosophy. Because mm-hmm. it is easy to be talked into something that you don't necessarily feel great about. It is easy to be influenced by money or position into doing something that you don't necessarily want to do. Um, you know, all of those things are so easy to do to somebody. So when you have kind of a, well, you know, anybody can do anything with anybody as long as there's consent, I, I guess I'm really still uncomfortable with that concept of consent because consent sometimes doesn't come... I, I, I think that I guess what's making me uncomfortable is the notion that, well, I give consent. Well, but you know what? Maybe I'm really not giving consent. Maybe I'm just saying consent. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, it, I'm not sure if I you know completely understand what you're saying, um, but... I think that I mean there are people who may be influenced by money and power and um and uh and all of that stuff um and some people aren't some people aren't drawn to that at all and still engage in um s m um and uh healthy kink relationships so um i don't you know i don't know if i can boil it down to just being drawn to that because of all of the pressures um cuz um you know it's not something that i feel particularly drawn to 
Um, if if someone's offering me, you know, a million dollars to do something that uh, that I don't want to do, I don't. I mean, I I would have to seriously think about it, and probably I would say no. To be honest, um, okay, because it's not something that I feel comfortable doing, but some people do, and and some people do feel pressured, and some people will do that. Um, so it it I don't think it 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 is it really does sort of boil down to I think you know all of the context that things are happening in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monica, tell me something wonderful. <laughs> tell me something. <laughs> tell me something about how marvelous you know uh, it is to be free and sexual and all that other stuff. Tell me something. You really know, good. I, I I think one of the best things is that we are all individuals and have the capacity to change, and it's it's the one of the best things about us as human beings. Is you know today we could not be as happy with ourselves, and tomorrow we could look in the mirror and say, you know what. I love this cellulite and this extra fat I have around my little muffin top because it makes me who I am. It's representative that I've given birth to a child. And so I think that there are things about us that are just beautiful instinctively, and sometimes and sometimes we don't bask in that glory, but the beautiful thing about human beings is that sometimes we do. Um, and it's most important to surround ourselves with people um, who, who make us feel really good about ourselves um, on those days that we can't. And I think that is one of the beautiful things that we can give to each other um, is a reflection of how great it is to be who we are in our own skin. Um, and I think it's a difficult well, you know, thing I think to get, that but I think one it's of the important things to have that, support. Go ahead. Yeah, one of the things that realizations that I've come to over the last few years is that it's better to be with me, with myself, than to be with somebody who doesn't like me. Absolutely. Does that, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, agreed. Absolutely, I agree. That that it doesn't require another person. It's nice if there's another person, um, and I'm not just talking sex here, uh, but but it's not required. Uh, It's not required, and sometimes... Um, it takes a lot of pressure off to, to to not have that other person, or at least for for periods. You know, Shirley MacLaine said something that I think um, kind of pertains to this conversation. She said, "Sex is hardly ever just about sex." And I think we've been talking a lot about power, control, you know, trust. I mean, all those other things that are such an integral part of sex. But for some reason. Culturally, anyway, at least in the movies, we tend to forget all of that stuff and just talk about, you know, physical functions. How does that, If I'm assuming that you might agree with that comment, both of you? No? <laughs> help me! No, I mean, help me, help I, me! I, we are, I mean, we are to be our, I mean, when we are talking about sex, there's it's more than just the physical aspect of it. Um, you know, there, there's always the risk of, 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 you know, your emotions. There are other things that are going in, into um, sex. Um, it's, it's, it's like any other part of life. Um, there are many things that go into it. There are all the different nuances. You know, there's things that are physical. There are things that are not physical. There are things that are mental, emotional, psychological. So we are talking about sort of like this is just one aspect of life. Yeah, exactly. We tend to have have it such great, great proportion because that's what we see in movies and the books and da da da, you know. And 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 we do think about it a lot, you know. I mean, so it it is a. But we think about food a lot. We think about driving our cars a lot. We think about all sorts of things a lot. Um, Okay, um, let me see here. Is there another question? Wait, I, I have, I'm scrolling through our, our chat. We've gotten some. It's interesting. We haven't received any phone calls, but my chat line is <laughs> is busy. <laughs> Maybe people don't feel very comfortable uh, voicing um, their questions. Um, I think I'm going to ignore some of these questions because I think we've answered most of them, quite frankly. Um, we've talked about if somebody wants more information, and we should also talk about if someone feels that, you know, they have been violated or raped or those boundaries have, but where can they go to for help, Monica? 
Um, so again, I'll you know I'll, I definitely believe for people who feel violated, they can reach out both now using technology or um, still using telephone um, by calling the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Um, that's right. Abuse Incest National Network that allows people to be individually routed to the closest rape crisis center to do this, um, who can provide them free and confidential support. Um, and then they definitely can also um, use the chat line for those who are more tech savvy. And to your point with your um, chat, rather than phone lines, people some people do feel most comfortable with that, but they can use that as an option as well, rather than calling in, not using their voice, but they can use online chat as well through through the National Sexual Violence Hotline. And the number there is 1-800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E, which is 4673, 1-800-656-4673. Okay, that's good. And um, uh, Treandre, do you want to give your contact information for your organization again? Absolutely. Um, And we work specifically, again, with the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender communities, as well as people in the SM and polyamorous communities. Um, And uh, our hotline is 617-742-4911. And not not a lot of uh, places. We work also to folks uh, nationally. So even though we're based in Massachusetts and Boston, we work with folks nationally because not a lot of organizations are uh, have um, are inclusive of our communities. Okay, all right. The point being that if you have questions, no matter your age, I mean, uh, you know, I think a lot of times there are questions among very young people who are just now, you know, coming into their sexuality. Um, get get talk to people. Talk to people about these issues, so that if something comes up and you're um, in the position where you need to make um, uh, a decision, that you have a basis for making that decision. Am I being too vague here, guys? I think it goes back. No, it's definitely, you know, if you you have questions and um, and, uh, it it is definitely worth uh, looking into um, different resources, calling someone, talking with your friends if you can, um, looking online. Um, There's lots of resources out there that are available. Uh, Definitely, um, it's it's worth seeking out. Yeah, Yeah, I think it is too. Uh, Knowledge... Knowledge never hurt anybody, and I think that if you are going to be a confident person and to make confident, competent decisions about anything in life, including sexual activity, you need to learn about it. You need to learn where you stand, what you're comfortable with, and then you are ready to make decisions um, about you know, whether you want to try S&M or whether you want to have sex with that particular person. Um, you know, you, ne- you need to have that knowledge base before you just jump into the water. You need to learn how to swim before you go in there, um, I think, unless you want a lot of struggle. So that's my advice for the day. You know, I I really enjoyed this show. I don't know whether, Treandre uh, and, and Monika, you can tell, um, did I sound uncomfortable during the show? Because some of it made me uncomfortable. I couldn't tell. You did a great job. No, absolutely. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. Because I am an Ohio farm girl. What can I tell you? <laughs> you know, if a cow doesn't do it, we don't do it, okay? Uh, one, of the things, one, of, one of the things that uh, I like to do in ending this show is to use a quote. And I must tell you, I spent an hour looking through quotes to end this show. And finally came upon one, came upon a few quotes that were funny, uh, several that were very sexy. Um, but I think one of the, the ones that really hit me, um, because I have always said this about money, but you can say this about sex, and in fact a gentleman named John Callahan did say this. Sex is like air. It's not important unless you aren't getting it. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, that's good. <laughs> and you know, pretty I, I funny. It's been hard to find a quote. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I think when if we are happy in our relationships, if we are satisfied with our sex lives, it it doesn't be strike us as being terrifically important. It's when we're still struggling and still trying to figure out 
um, you know, where that's going to be for us, that I think um, it becomes a challenge. So thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you for your all your questions on, on the chat line. Next time, pick up the phone and call in, folks. Okay, it's all right to talk. We're not going to take your Social Security number. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I hope you learned something. I hope that you... Uh, uh, at least uh, find this a stimulating conversation and that you carry it on. Join us next week, and we will have another topic on uh, three women, three ways. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.